All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another installment of the Grace, the Power of the Gospel series, Caris Bible Study, Virginia Beach, hosted by Grace and Faith Fellowship. And tonight's the subtitle of Lesson 14 is In and After the Spirit. In and After the Spirit. Now, this is going to shed some light on some of the so-called discrepancies that we see when we're reading scripture. Now, those of us who have a understanding of the concept of spirit, soul, and body, we already know where we're going in this lesson, but it's, it's always good to go back into to look into these things and to remind ourselves of the difference between spirit, soul, and body, like who we are mm. in the spirit and what is our soul constituted of and what is our body, right? So let's go to Romans 7. Let's start at Romans 7. And we'll start at verse 21, Romans 7, start at verse 21. And I'm going to read it in the King James. All right. And it reads like this. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, when we look at this last portion of the scripture here, you notice in verse 25, it says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why do you think it says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, instead of thank God for Jesus Christ, our Lord? I mean, because it's through him that we have received everything. Through him, through the work that he did on Calvary. So everything comes through him. Well, we only have life in him now, too. Well, we, boy, we always did, though. Um, It's through the work that he did right. mm -hmm. that 
we now have that new life. It was through the, the crucifixion and the um, burial and resurrection that we have the new life. So that that's a that's an in and through process. Through him we get the promises. You know, through him we receive our faith. Through him we stand everything comes through as she said what he did on the cross. So it's through him. And we're united with him too, with his spirit. So it, it's not like we're doing anything separate from him. It has to be with him, at least in the spirit. There you go. Yeah. Because doesn't he say in John, the Gospel of John, that he is the vine and we are the branches? Right? Yeah. So that's a good one. A branch can't bear fruit by itself. Really, the branch yeah. is just the vessel or the, the, the instrument to hold the fruit. But it's the vine that produces it. And yeah. you use that word united, and it makes me think of First Corinthians 1.30. In referring to Jesus, Paul says this. It says, God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made mm. him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. And it's what? Through him. Through him. Mm. So mm. By, by which his work opens up that door for us to receive all of who he is. It, it even reminds me of Psalm 91, where it, it says, he who uh, dwells in the secret place. You know, in a sense, that's what we're doing. We're dwelling in the secret place. We dwell now in Jesus mm. when we receive him. That's good. That's good. So really, all of us are technically in the secret place. In, mm. in him. So I don't have to find mm -hmm. I don't have to find a, a, a dirty closet somewhere and hide under my prayer shawl to be in the secret place. <laughs> See, but we in my state, I think we've in some well, I say in some ministry or in some we've trying to kind of make that complicated. You know, I like the scripture where he that dwells in the secret place. Now we make the secret place like it's something know deep and uh, you have to work to get there mm -hmm. you know so you know we take that scripture and kind of make it complicated when just like dwelling in his presence is, you know yeah yeah that's good that's good well and we just got done didn't we yeah in seven we just got done talking about a marriage <laughs> You know that we've we've died to the old marriage of sin, and we've been united now with Christ in marriage. And we all know that, you know, as a married couple, you're you're working it together. You're not. It's not one or the other. It's always together. The consequences are together. Everything's together. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. All right, let's go back to, to Romans 7. All right, I'm going to read verse 25, <laughs> and then we're going to roll, roll into to 8, 1. All right. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says, Thank God the answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. All right, chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. All right. So when we talk about through the spirit, in the spirit, we are talking about what? We're talking about our union with the finished work of Christ. Mm. Right. So it's not something, something we have to earn, but it's, it's our position. It is where we stand because of what he has done. Right. Now, I'm going to read a couple of points from the outline. It says Paul here was in verse 24 and 27 in Romans 7. Paul was describing the futility of trying to serve God in the flesh. The flesh part of us, our body and our soul, will always fall short. Right? Imperfection can't be perfect. How do I ever get out of this? Praise God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I have a brand new person inside of me. Now, next point on the outline says, then move, then Paul moved to move right into chapter eight, which we we just read the first two verses, which speaks of letting our born again spirits dominate our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans seven describes what frustration, defeat and sin coming alive. But Romans eight describes. Our victory. In him. Because remember what Jesus said in the Gospel of John again. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, but. So the word but just erases all that. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So I can be of good cheer. Why? Because his victory is my victory. His victory is your victory. That's why we can rejoice because we get to share and partake of his victory. Mm. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 725, I have the new King James. It says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. I thought the mind was part of the flesh, that that's part of the soul. Because I I was thinking, you know, I I guess why I'm just wondering is 
I know there's a part of my mind that that um, always is longing to serve the Lord, but obviously it's my thoughts that so easily trip me up in in doing the things I don't want to do. So <laughs> can you just throw a little light on that as far as the words even? Because it's I don't know why. Just for that for some reason that particular verse was. Okay. Well, let's let's look at it. I'm now. still I'm still working through this spirit, soul, and body concept. Mm-hmm. So right, right. Now, if I look at the Strong's mm-hmm. definition in the King James, where it says mind, it it, it says the intellect that is the mind. All right. By implication, meaning understanding. All right. Now, if you look at yeah, if you look at Thayer's definition of mind here. The mind comprises of all the faculties of perceiving and understanding and those of feeling, judging, and determining, all right? The, and, and the intellectual faculty, all right? And the word understanding is used again. So let's look at it again. Now, in the, in the regular King James, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, if I look at the word fleshed here, right, mm-hmm. in the Thayer's, there, the definition is the physical body or the central nature of man, the animal nature, all right, human nature, right? Now, so that could incorporate thoughts as well? Yes. Because think about when we look at the word soul, souls comprised of the mind, the will, and the emotions, right? Right. And the physical body is the expression of what the mind submits to, right? So the mind, the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the body has the choice to do what? To submit to the things of the spirit or the mm-hmm. things of the flesh, meaning the carnal programming that is already on the inside of us. Okay. Right? Remember when... In other words, following the five senses, that really has helped me getting it. Right. Getting the definition of carnal is following the five senses, mm-hmm. the things that gravitate you from you're experiencing things. Right. Because think about what what Jesus said to the disciples when and and get the, the Garden of Gethsemane and they were falling asleep when yeah. Jesus Jesus um asked them to pray, right? Mm-hmm. And he says the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the flesh is weak, that's the right. Flesh is weak. So, so that's uh, in accordance with this, then. That's what I see. Okay. Right. So, no, I, I was studying something, and they talked about well. In my understanding, yeah, your flesh has your flesh has appetites. Mm-hmm. You know, your body craves for certain things. Even after you get, you know, after you get born again, that craving sometimes and some is still there. So when you talking about body, your body, 
um, has a different craving for things that it mm-hmm. can, but your mind has your mind. And it helps to realize, that, oh, okay. excuse me. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it helped, it's helped me to realize, even though we've died to sin in Christ, that that craving that you're saying is like, it's an old program that just won't shut down right. fast. And you have to constantly, um, yeah, and that's why your mind being renewed is to help, you know, resist those cravings. It's not like it says, you know, I think Andrew said one time, you know, um, as we renew our mind in Christ, you know, we can live above that. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have those cravings. It's not like you're going to be struggling, but I think Andrew is basically saying once you stop renewing your mind, once you just say, then, you know, you, your body just, you just going to give in to what, you know, your body is. I think he put, gave that analogy of being an airplane. Uh, when you're in an airplane, okay. Because, you know, you can't fly, but you get an airplane, it can fly. As long as you're in an airplane, you're flying. But then he said, uh, as soon as you okay. get out of the airplane, you're you falling. Well, yeah, you fall. So he was simply saying, okay, when we, we know our mind, we're in the spirit, as long as you're in the spirit, being, as we talk about being led by, well, being in the spirit, being led by the spirit, yeah, you're going to do okay. You're not going to give him the credit. But he said, the moment you stop being led by the spirit, and guess what? You gonna you just gonna automatically give in to the cravings of your flesh. Okay, that's a good picture. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it? Would it be? And I guess it's a question and a statement. Would it be? And this may help. Or would it be safe to say that we have the the potential or the ability to have two minds and? And we don't want to be double-minded. Yeah. And and so we got the one mind that serves, you know, the law of God or that, you know, a spiritual minded, you know, like once we become born again, like before born again, we just single mind. You know, we just have that carnal mind. But when we get born again, we have that, you know, without sounding crazy or insane and nothing, but like <laughs> the ability to have like two minds, you know, we got that carnal mind that is still there. And then we got that spiritual mind. And then that's that one that we renewing and we and as we renew it, then it becomes more dominant and dominant, more dominant. And like Mary said, we not, you know, that we don't be that double-minded man that I guess talks about in James. Mm-hmm. But that mind is always kind of like still there, you know, as long as, you know, we're in these, you know, the, the body hadn't been, you know, redeemed yet. So that's kind of like a question and a statement, you know, if I, anybody, you know, if you get anything, teacher, you know. Okay. All right. We can deep. Well, it seems that way because, I mean, right. it does talk about being double-minded right. at times. And we all know it. I mean, just experientially, when you're fighting through something, and try, particularly when you're trying to lay lay something down on the altar, it's just that. That double talk. 
It's not crazy. It's just what it is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's well let's let's go to a few scriptures then. All right. So now we already know what Paul told us to do in Romans 12, right? When he right. talks about renewing our minds. And there's a reason for that. Because we don't want to be of two minds. And what and just like y'all said, James James said, let a you know, double-minded man not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. And why? Because if you have two minds, then there's no clear spiritual perception. Because there's one eye in the spirit and one eye submitted to the flesh, so you have double vision. Yeah. Now, think about that picture and go to Matthew 6, 22. Matthew 6, 22. Mm. All right. In the King James, it says, the light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. All right. Oh, single. Is that King James you have? Yeah. Okay, because it's different. Now, what's the reference? You know, any revelation on that scripture there? You know, like, what is that? It's saying the eye. Mm -hmm. Light of the body is the eye. What exactly? Okay. Is so when you, you look at Strong's definition here, it says the eye, either literally or figuratively, and by implication, meaning vision, right? Vision. Mm -hmm. And think about, now, in, in Thayer's definition, point two says, metaphorically, the eyes of the mind or the faculty of knowing. Mm. Right? Well, now, that brings me, oh, go ahead. Now, think about that. When we talk about double-mindedness and the, the, how necessary it is for us to have our minds renewed to the things of the spirit, to our, our true identity in Christ, what he has given us, who he has called us and what he's called us to do, all these things, right? That is that is who we are in the spirit. But the, the, the less knowledge I have of that, then my ability to walk out, to live out who I truly am is very diminished. And then I, I could be in a place where positionally I'm a, I'm a believer, but I'm void of any revelation, any understanding of, of, of the things of the spirit. And then therefore being of two minds. Because... Mm -hmm. When we was not born again, we really were single-minded then, mm -hmm. right? Because it was it was you know all about the five senses, our sense knowledge, things that we perceived in our worldview based on our carnal understanding, our natural understanding. 
So truly, a born-again person is the only one who really can truly be of two minds. Yeah, okay. Okay. If you, you know, if you if you look at it the way it's being presented. Because I know when I say that that word light, I got perception or you just use the word vision. Okay. And so when I was saying this, it was been a while back, it was talking about how you see things. You know, it said the light of the body is the eye, or how you perceive things. And I've heard Jews always say, okay, how do you, how do we perceive things? Do we perceive it? We talk about, do you get your interpretation through the flesh? Or your circumstances, how circumstances talking to you? Or do you get your vision or your perception through the word or through the spirit and how he looks at it. So it's all about how you, are, what are you looking through? You know? Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at it from a carnal place, as Judah said, then guess what? You're going to get the carnal mind and you're going to begin to say, okay, then you have carnal results. But if I make a decision and look at it through the spirit, now I'm single-minded. Because like he said, he's the way you're single-minded. Now I'm going to get the revelation, the interpretation, the vision of God, okay, because I'm looking at it through how he looks at it versus what my service or what my flesh is saying. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if you look at that word single in the King James, the Strong's definition it says properly, properly folded together. Properly, properly folded together. So think about a a tortilla, right? You put the meat and all your dressings in it, right? But you got two sides. One, one this side of the meat and the other side of the meat. But once you fold it together, it becomes one. It's a burrito, right? It's, it's one. So, and Jesus says, what if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. So if my perception is spiritual, if, if, if it's based on him and his perfect word, on, on, on based on what he is saying, if my understanding is folded together with his. Mm. And that's what the renewing of the mind, that's what that is. Us folding together our soul with the spirit. And also the, the scripture that jumps out to me, I think it's in Galatians, it says, it says if you sow to the flesh, you know, you're going to reap the flesh. You sow to the spirit. Mm -hmm. So when we are, you know, going through things or experiencing things, okay, well, you got to be aware, okay, am I sowing to the flesh or am I sowing to the spirit? Because you're sowing one of them. Mm -hmm. And to to keep from being, I guess, to don't fall in that religious trap, 
I think you said it, Julius. Matthew 6, pretty much 22 to 24, that's talking about either a born-again person or somebody who's not born again. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Because you look at verse 23, Jesus gives a contrast. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Mm. So you see the you see the dichotomy there, right? Between light and darkness. The Amplified Version says, "It says if your eyes be sound, then your entire body is full of light." And that the word "sound" mean that he says. I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but it's power, love, and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So our mind is sound. And and if you read the 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 uh, updated amplified verse twenty three, it says, "But if your eye is bad, mm -hmm. spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness, devoid of God's precepts." So if the very light inside you, your inner self, your heart and your conscience is darkness, how great and terrible is that darkness? Yeah. And, they, and they go even further, 24. So if you're born again, you can't serve two masters. You're only serving one master. And if you're not born again, same thing. You're only serving one master, correct? Hmm. Well, I mean, well, all right. Now let, let's look. Let's look at that one. All right. Let's well, you can't that. serve two. Because that's it seems a like it's a yeah. It seems like it's a religious trap. There, we got to be careful to okay. be. Okay. 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 I think you can serve two because it's going back to what we talked about: devil mind, man, is unstable all his way. Mm -hmm. so. But you can still look at something else. So it's it's in the process of choosing. I think that you've got the potential for double-mindedness. Is that what I'm hearing? That if you you can't serve two masters, one you're gonna choose one or the other. Right. But, but it's in the process of choosing that you've got two options at all times. It's still always a choice to follow Jesus. It's never a mandate. Mm-hmm. Which takes you out of that religiosity is what you're saying, right? Yeah, well, yes. And basically, you can't serve what you don't have, you know, meaning right. I look at that serve as on both ends. Like you're serving, you're being a, a willing servant. You know, you don't mm -hmm. have to do anything being a will. And also what you have to give is also what you serve also to others, what you what you're oh, serving, what you're yeah. giving off. And yeah. you can't give off. If you're not born again, you can't serve nothing in that kingdom. And if you're born again, can you really you can't serve anything in the other kingdom. You can maybe come off in a carnal way, your flesh, but I guess 
you can't give off anything from your spiritual hmm. side of you that you don't have. Well, when I look at the word Delamine, it means like, okay, for example, what Jane was talking about, I said, okay, like today, you know what? Hey, I'm believing God. You know, I got faith and God's going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And that. Then, the next day, I get to talking to somebody and they start contradicting what I was believing yesterday. Then you say, well, maybe they're right. So, you know what? Uh, they, then that sounds like, you know, maybe I'm, now you're not sure. So, you're going back and forth. And remember, it said you, you can't receive anything from God if you're going back and forth. You know, so mm-hmm. then, then, you know, next day, well, you know what, maybe I believe God. And then on Thursday, maybe I won't. Then Friday, I don't, you know, I guess. So he's talking about, you know, going back to and fro, you being tossed. I think that's what he's talking about, you being tossed. Okay, so you can't make up your mind what you won't believe. And he talked about how that's not good. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I think you might have had something, Jews, but I'm thinking about, I was commenting on Matthew 6, 24, but now that I'm looking back and kind of thinking about that scripture in James, is James even talking about a person who's born again? Because it says, a double by a man is unstable in all his ways and don't think he can receive anything from God. Anything from God includes salvation. So a born-again person has already received salvation from God. So is he talking about somebody that's not born again because they haven't put their faith yet in him or decided to. Hmm. But my understanding, I think he's talking to believers. You you start from the beginning, verse one. It's the way he addresses it. You know, he started out by saying brethren, the king. So that sounds like me. He's talking to believers in that particular verse. You know, in that particular. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let me um. Let me go back to Matthew 6, 24, all right? Now, in King James, he says, this is Jesus talking. He says, no man can serve two masters, right? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, all right? Now, if you look at that word serve, and the, the Strong's definition means to be a slave to, be in bondage. <coughs> Thayer's definition says to be a slave, serve, do service. Right. So no man can be a slave to two masters. Right. Now. Let's go to Romans. Romans 6, 
Romans 6 and we'll start at verse 16. And the King James says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being that then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. <coughs> now, you look at that word servants, and strongs, it means to enslave, to bring into, be under bondage, to make a slave of. So I am in bondage to righteousness, so to speak, through the work of Christ, being born again. And see, let's go back to the title of our lesson. In the spirit and after the spirit. Right? So if you are a believer, you're born again. You are in the spirit. In the sense that you are united to Christ Jesus. Based on your, your confession of faith and being born again. A member of the body of Christ. You are in the spirit. Right? But now... Being after the spirit, where's the contrast? Because there's a difference between walking after the spirit and being in the spirit. Being in the spirit is referring to identity and position. Who mm -hmm. I am, identity and position. Walking after the flesh or after the spirit is speaking of what? My action. My, my, my behavior. Right? Okay. So it's possible for me to, as a believer, walk after the spirit or after the flesh. But as an unbeliever, there's only one option mm -hmm. is me walking after the flesh. Even if I'm doing something good, if I'm doing something morally good, if I'm not born again, I'm still after the flesh. Why? Because of the, the identity. You still spiritually void as a natural man. So then really, we're just going back to that point that we elaborated on earlier about how, as a believer, you have the opportunity to be of two minds now because you have that old programming of the flesh. Your, you know, the, 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 the cravings, the appetites, the things that have developed over your years of carnal training. Or walking after the spirit, 
meaning submitting to or being led by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about renewing the mind, that is us making it making it easier or opening up the door for us to flow with the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And be able to understand the voice of the spirit versus the voice of the flesh. Okay. So that the back to what was it Matthew six? That last part of Matthew six twenty four. It says, "You cannot serve God." And ma'am. So it doesn't say, which I've heard many use it as a tool. You shouldn't do serve God and man. It says you can't. So in that sense, that's when it's not. It's talking to that 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 good example you just gave. It's talking about who you are in the spirit then in the 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 born again believer in the spirit it's impossible to even serve man you can only serve god because it's it sounds like a pretty definitive statement not like a suggestion or this is what you should do kevin no it seems to be saying you can't serve god and man so if i'm in the spirit <clears throat> and it's a statement again, but a question also. If I'm in the spirit, it's impossible for me to serve man. That's if I'm not, yeah. that's what I'm seeing right here. Because of that, that word serve yeah. in 24, again, you know, in the Strongs, it means to be a slave to, be in bondage. So if I put that in there, ye cannot be a slave to God and mammon. I'm thinking of an Old Testament picture. Abraham set his sights on God. His righteousness was from God. His blessings came from God. And he knew it because he kept his sight on, on the Lord. Lot in Hebrew is called a righteous man, but he didn't have his eyes set on the Lord. So his life was turbulent in comparison, and yet God called him righteous. So he must have been the one who couldn't serve mammon, but his life was turbulent because he was divided. Wow. Yeah, that's a good example. Six and twenty-four is when we talking about is is this reverse in context? Is it talking about the spirit man, or is it talking about you know we talking about body, soul, and spirit? Mm-hmm. Is it making reference to your spirit, saying you can't serve God because okay that would be correct, or is it talking about the soulish or the the by the way. Now see mm-hmm. both interpretations, you if you look at it, mm-hmm. 
in, in reference to the utility of the interpretations, you know, they they both are correct, right? Because we can see in the epistles the inability of the spirit to walk after the flesh, right? right? Because we're, we're, we're looking at the identity of the believer. Mm-hmm. You are no longer, the, the born again man is no longer associated with the flesh in, the, in reference to his spirit, the born again spirit, mm-hmm. right? But now if you go and go and look at this again, no man can serve. Now, if I look at Thayer's definition, it says to be a slave, serve, do service. Right. So literally, I can't <clears throat> serve God and mammon at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm either serving one or the other. I'm doing what I do for God or for mammon. Right. Now, I like the way the New Living Translation says it. Says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So there's there's a decision. Right. I'm going to serve God or serve mammon, but I can't do both at the same time. So as a born again person, let's go back to Romans six. And let's read verses 20 through 23. All right. In the New Living Translation, it says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me go back to what you talked about. He's talking about identity there. Versus Matthew 6, we're talking about behavior. Mm-hmm. That's what I get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me let me pull some more from the outline here. It says if you've been born again, and have the, and have this new man, this new nature then you're in Christ Jesus. Then referring back to Romans 8 and 1 in the King James, therefore, 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you'll let this brand new spirit live through you, there is no condemnation, no judgment, no sentence against you. Uh, condemnation refers to declaring something unfit for use. Next point in the outline says, the devil says, you sorry thing. What makes you think God would use you? Now, because we were imperfect, I was imperfect. Through our flesh, the Old Testament law, instead of being something good, actually did what? Brought condemnation. My condemnation. Then looking at verses 2 and 3, chapter 8 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the Old Testament law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So there's a difference between in the flesh and after the flesh and in the spirit and after the spirit. Right? Now reading verses four and five, it says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Now, five, would that be talking about actions or is that making a reference to the difference between the born again and the non-born again? All right. Let's look at it. For they that are after the flesh, okay, do, and I got a note here on the word do, it says set their minds on the things of the flesh. For they that are after the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, all right? So in the, in the Strong's definition, it says to exercise the mind or it, that is to entertain or have a sentiment or opinion, be disposed to, intensively interest in, interest oneself in, set the affection on. All right. So think about that in reading this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are, but they that are after the spirit. The things of the spirit. And you, you may have answered it earlier because you said something earlier about this. You said after the flesh and in the flesh, two different things. And after the spirit and in the spirit are two different things. Mm -hmm. In the spirit, I think you said represents, you know, hey, you're born again, you're in the spirit. You know, sealed by that whole spirit promise and all. But if you're after the spirit, 
then that's the the action again. It sounds like. I mean, I believe you referenced that earlier. Mm-hmm. So, like the first verse in chapter eight talks stepping in the the spirit first, right? In Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. that's position. But then down here, we're talking about being after the spirit. That's choices that we make once we're in the spirit. Is that what you mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's what I, I believe he had said earlier, too. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know. But now you see how easy it is to get twisted up on all this? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <coughs> Because and, and, it, and it just it really opens up the door for you know misunderstanding, misinterpretation to the degree that you can you can fall into one extreme or the other, like we talked about before. You know, being either a you know leaning towards legalism mm-hmm. or doing the opposite and and leaning towards lasciviousness. As if behavior mm. doesn't matter, and that's not true either. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, most of my when I came to understanding this, but it came up on the teaching if it's impossible to go after the flesh but still be in the spirit, that wasn't taught. Because, you know, if you went after the flesh and if you stayed after the flesh long enough, they would say, well, you ain't saved. Because there's no way in the world that you can continue to do that behavior and still call yourself saved. And so, you know, it was like, okay, well, no, there's no way. Or somebody put it to me this one time and it didn't really make any sense to me. But he was making whatever he said. Well, Christians, uh, how did they put it? He said Christians commit sin; they don't practice sin. And so, what he was simply saying is, what he was making reference to was, yeah, you know, we can. In other words, if you say you gonna make a mistake, and then you gonna get out of it eventually. Okay, you you're not gonna be a Christian and continue in a certain lifestyle. Or a certain behavior and just continue on that road because then there's no way you can be saved if you're doing that and then it all depends on what lifestyle you're doing mm-hmm. because i think we have to be careful too though don't we yeah if i lie on a consistent basis nobody gonna say i ain't safe but i can do that mm-hmm. you know Constantly a compulsive liar, but nobody's going to constitute me as saying, "Well, you know what? He, he or she is not saved." But if I live a life of fornication, you know, just stealing from one person to the next, to the next, and that, they gonna say, "Well, you, know, you can't be saved to do that." Mm-hmm. There's no way in the world you can do that. We can, we, we know that they they gonna condemn that. Well, that's where we're we're called not to judge each other at all. Right. Well, right. <coughs> oh, you know, this is I can gossip all I want. Yeah. You know, and so I'm not going to be. Well, that's the thing. That's, 
I mean, that's what has brought me to this, all these questions, because in our heart, we, we know, each one of us knows those weak spots. And it's usually those subtle things that, that bump into us every day. <clears throat> it's not necessarily the big blatant ones that everybody calls the big thing. You know, and the Lord knows our heart and we know our heart. And that's, I, as we've been talking, I, I keep coming back to Proverbs 4. <clears throat> where where the um, it keeps saying um, give attention to my words incline your ear to my sayings do not let them depart from your eyes that, that's what triggered it for me mm-hmm. keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh keep your heart with all diligence for out of the spring um, out of it spring the issues of life and put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. All of this is kind of like, <clears throat> again, <coughs> keep your keep your mind um, renewed in Christ and in his word because it, there are so many subtleties that we get tri- tripped up with in our flesh and, uh, and we are, um, we have a propensity to keep, falling back on what we knew before rather than moving forward with Christ. But praise God, he also says that once we're his, nothing can take us out of his hand. And that's the other part that I just keep coming back to as well, is even if we're fighting the fight to the very last day of our breath and we, you know, our life is shortened because we were foolish, Mm -hmm. nothing separates us from the gift of salvation that we receive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like Paul said, you know, if you are really, if you are really teaching the depth of God's grace, it's going to provoke questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's going to provoke questions like, are you giving people the license to sin? Right. Because right. that's right. what because what does that word gospel mean? The almost too good to be true news. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the work of the gospel, the <laughs> grace of God, right, is it, it it is that inner working of the Holy Spirit transforming the soul. Mm-hmm. Right. But that that cannot be dictated or manipulated by out by the the dictates of man outside, right? Yeah, yeah. It is between it is the individual submitting to the spirit of God, renewing the mind, <clears throat> not merely behavior modification. Like what um yeah Eric was referring to earlier. Let's go to First John. First John, and I'm going to read chapter 3, verse 9. I'm going to read in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the updated Amplified. All right. First John 3, 9. And the King James says, Whosoever is born of God doeth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Because he is born of God. Mm. 
Now, if if that word sin was a verb, do you think that'll apply to any of us? Then who is saved? Nobody. No, nobody. Because there's only one perfect one who was totally without sins, plural, behavior, action. That's Jesus. Everybody that was born of Adam seed, Adam, commit of sins and had the death sentence of sin on their head because of what Adam did. So you look at the word sin here, it is harmartia, which is which is noun. Right. He's talking about your sinful nature. Right. And the only way to be divorced from that sinful nature is through what? Being born again. So Jesus is the only answer to that, yes. to that dilemma. And it goes back to what he said in Romans 8, where he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Why was, weak, why was the law weak through the flesh? Because we can't keep it. Because again, we was born with the death sentence. So we born with that, and then that sin nature just produces the fruit of sins, plural. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemns sin in the flesh. So he paid the price for our sin noun. This sin, nature, he paid the price for what for what Adam has started in the beginning. He paid the price for that. For us. <laughs> then you look at verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, let me read verse four in the New Living. It says, he did this, referring to Jesus, he did this so that the just requirement of the law will be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So when we get in Christ, we fulfill the law. Because he fulfilled it. Yeah. I'm riding his ticket. Yeah. I'm riding his ticket. Because I couldn't, we couldn't do it on our own. Nope. But when I get in him, the law is fulfilled in me because he is in me. Right. Right. Now, the power of the gospel, the grace of God, is that me understanding and resting in that revelation is what's going to produce the outward fruit. Right. 
not vice versa. But see, you can you can get so so fearful of being a heretic that you would teach this from a behavior mm -hmm. modification perspective mm -hmm. to try to keep people in line. And I mean, I understand it, right? But when we talk about, you know, walking true in true holiness, it is only produced by the power of the spirit. Bottom line. Mm -hmm. The only way I can I can bear anything, any type of fruit. Is through him. It ain't got nothing to do with me. But I think we put more emphasis on doing. Yeah. Versus believing. And that's and then what's that? That's the natural man. Right. Carnal understanding. So we put more emphasis on doing. And like I said, not to say that we don't do, but believing is going to produce the doing. Mm -hmm. But our problem is believing. We right. don't believe that he, as we says, took away our sin from nature. We don't believe that he paid it for. I don't say in past, but so we don't believe it. Then guess what? We don't embrace that revelation. Then we're gonna get into as you said behavior modification, and then you're gonna do a lot of stumbling and falling. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not gonna be consistent, in other words, in your behavior because you're so busy trying to do it in your own ability mm -hmm. that you you're struggling and you know. And and that's you know, that's a, a good reveal on that being carnal minded. You know, that scripture being carnal minded, death, spiritual minded, life and peace. A lot of times the association with carnal mind is just, you know. I will, fl you know, stealing, lying, killing, you know, uh, sexual perversions. Yeah, sure, they are carnal, but that's carnal too. What, what we was just, what you, you was just talking about, just not thinking, you know, you know, trying to do the right thing. I'm trying, trying, trying real hard. That's being carnal. Yeah, I hear people, you know, still make the, the reference. You know, maybe y'all heard it. So I'm just trying to make it in. And, and that yeah. was a, you know, behavior modification statement. Yeah. You know, I'm mm -hmm. trying to make it in, you know, so I'm trying to do the right thing. And so they're depending on their own ability right. to try to do enough yeah. good to be accepted by God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you did and, and and it's just setting us up and when we when we have that perspective and we embrace that, it's just setting us up for burnout, failure. And that's what Paul is talking about, Romans 7. You know. Yeah. Hold on. I think the, yeah, the, yeah, we over time. And the religious skeptic, like, he, like, blocked us. <laughs> right. When we start talking about in and after the spirit, right? it's in all caps, it says heretics. Done with all of them. <laughs> no. But it's just, it is so, it would, like I said, with the more we read it, if we just sit down and read it, then we can grasp what is being communicated here. It's all about him at the end of the day. Yeah. And my putting our trust in him and his ability to work through us. What he did and what he, he wants to do through us. 
That's you know, it. You, you know, Jew, it's, it's important, you know, the reading, I mean, that's good, but with, unless you sit down and have good Bible studies with somebody who really understands grace, it's so many, it's easy to go down a, a religious road. I mean, you could be like, reading scriptures, you know, seven out of your eight, nine waking hours or whatever. But if you're reading it and it's not through a graceful lie, I mean, it's just so easy to go down that road, that religious road, and you just can't get out unless you, I mean, you need some kind of a miracle or you need somebody to, you know, to really come with the gospel of the the grace of the gospel, and for you to get it and hear it, you know, and then it's like, oh wow, you know. So this this is very important, you know, and I'm hoping people are really listening and get this. Well, I say, well, he, I mean, I, he's right because I mean, I spent so many years, you know, like you said, hearing the wrong thing, interpreting scriptures and not interpreting them through through grace that like I said it mm-hmm. took me years to get to where I am now because like oh now I go back and reread the Bible and put my grace glasses on and it says oh okay now this is where I understand what it means like you said because you got to really tr- teach yourself and train yourself because you've been training this so long mm-hmm. and you've been interpreting so long and you like now it's like oh okay now I see it because this is how, you know, like you said, you're teaching grace like you spoke, like Paul did. Now it's like, okay. And all the stuff that you've been taught says, okay, now I see how it don't make sense. Or oh, I know how that's incorrect because, mm-hmm. you know, perception mm-hmm. was off. Yeah. All right. To close, we're going to try this ministry of reading one more time. <laughs> All right, Romans 5, 16 to 21. And let, then let's just listen to the words that I say it here. All right. New Living Translation makes it so plain. So if you don't know already, I'm a big proponent of the New Living Translation. All right. It says this, he says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given 
so that all people can see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace upon grace. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. That's, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, see y'all.